Welcome to Triangle 411, the pulse that moves the Triangle world today. It's a vibrant collection of stories, medical breakthroughs, what's trending, social good, events, and boundless other adventures. A conversation pit of comedians, authors, chefs, sports figures, experts, the common and the uncommon. Here's the host of Triangle 411, Mary Innsbrucker. Hi, friends. Although it's difficult to find a direct citation, it is estimated that 70 to 75% of the population has a fear of public speaking. Even without an exact number, most all can relate to fears at some level before a public speaking engagement. Ramon Ray is here to address the subject with us today. Ramon is an in demand global keynote speaker, entrepreneur, best selling author, and event producer and host. He is the founder of smarthustle.com, which inspires and educates small business owners. As someone who has been invited to testify at the United States Congress and speak at the White House, I think he knows a thing or two about public speaking, and he might provide some great insight. Into this matter. Welcome, Ramon. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here and always good to serve and help provide some value to other people. So thanks for having me. Great. So, so let's get to that value. Let's talk about why some reasons people are afraid of public speaking. Listen, there's many reasons people are afraid of public speaking.、Uh, we're afraid of a lot of things. I can remember some things I've done first in my life. But I think one reason is we just don't give speeches very often. Many people don't. So, I think that first fear where they're on the stage or they're invited in front of the camera, it can be a bit intimidating. So, I think that's one probably of many reasons, but the more you do it, the better you get at it. Well, that's a positive attitude. <laughs> let's see if you, let's see if <laughs> you, you can. You have to be a little positivity, right? Yeah, let's see if you can get us there. So, so, okay. And I like we'll break this down in a couple different levels. Like, for example, there's also the spotlight effect.、Uh, tell us about this. I think, listen, I can, I have my little niece here with me today. And, you know, when she's doing something, she kind of looks at the side of her eye. Is Uncle Ramon looking at me? <laughs> so imagine as a child, we're kind of have this in us, in us to some degree. And as we grow, I think we have this thinking for good or for bad that people are looking at us. People are always watching us, highlighting kind of what are the mistakes, what are the flaws that we have. And this is part of that. So, when you're on a stage, whether it's virtual or online or in person, you kind of have this feeling oh no, everybody's looking at me. And they are looking at you, but it doesn't have to be a negative thing. So, that's that spotlight effect. People may think about, about it as a deer in the headlight. Sometimes it comes across like that, that we often feel when we're first giving our public speaking. You know, I, I even tell that to my interviewees that if you flub, just, just go through it. Don't point it out. Because, Average person listening isn't even going to pick up on it unless you draw attention to it. So,、um, exactly. It's like that, that ketchup on your shirt or something. Nobody saw it until you said, Hey, everybody, I'm so sorry. There's a stain on my shirt. Nobody was paying attention to it. That's right. So, what about preparation? What, what kind of role does that play? I would dare say everything in preparation is probably the cousin to experience. But I think the more and more you do something, one, that's a good thing. But being prepared is important. Now, there's two,、um, I'm not a psychologist, but there's two different kinds of preparation. One is where you think I have to memorize every little detail, every little comma, every little breath. And we're not quite talking about that. Preparation just means that 
overarching uh, thing, that overarching reach of how you're going to do it. So I think that's part of the preparation. And I would say practice, 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 because as you hinted earlier, the more you do it, the smoother it's going to get. I remember my first time driving. Yeah, it wasn't that smooth. But after a while, I was a baller. So that preparation is really, really important. And that will that will probably be the 80 percent of the time to make us do it better. Any other thoughts you have on that before we turn our focus onto ways to overcome all these fears? Yeah, I mean, I think, listen, preparation is one. And I think that's that's one thing that's the most. I think when we talk about what does it mean to prepare, sometimes there's this aspect of over preparing. And that, I think, can be deadly because when you over-prepare, that's where it goes back to the spotlight effect. You think if you mess up, if it's not perfect, you failed. But guess what? You could have rocked it. And so you want to embrace that and own that. And keep in mind, you're there to serve and help educate or provide entertainment to other people. I like that. If you think in terms of of of, of what you're offering, uh, that might quiet a lot of the concerns because because you are there to either help somebody or inform someone or educate or whatever the case might be. So that might be a good attitude to have. I like that one. Thank you. Attitude's important. Yeah, so a few other things. So I think some, some other ways we're talking about overcoming that fear. I think one is practicing out loud. I've done this many, many times, you know, where you're sitting in front of a mirror or whatever, and you're going over your lines, not to perfection, but out loud, you're saying, hey, let me pretend as I look in the mirror that it's 5,000 people or five people I'm speaking to. That's one. Oftentimes, presentations are indeed done standing. Now, in this online world, many times they can't be done sitting. But I find when you're standing, it expands your lungs, your blood starts moving a little better, so you kind of can be in a better phrase. Your body helps your mind get in a frame of reference. If you're speaking out loud and you're standing, I think that preparation can help it go smoother. What about knowing your subject matter? Wow. I have seen a number of speakers, a number of speakers who say they can speak. They can speak okay, but they don't know what they're talking about. So I think I know for me as a marketer and and et cetera, in those terms, the things that I know best and the things I know well, that's what will come from my brain, out of my mouth with most clarity. It'll come smooth. And we're talking about fear, right? So the fear is a bit less because I think what you're most comfortable with what you know, you're less afraid of. So I think that is very important. The more and more you become the expert in what you're speaking at. How about in terms of the audience? What's the best approach there? Yeah, I think, listen, sometimes we look out of our audience, we look out at our audience, and we see 10,000, 5,000, 20, or three people. I get it. In reality, the audience is there. But if you look at that audience, laser focus on one person and see those that group of people as an individual, that's how you rock it. And I'd say another thing, don't shout at people. Don't scream at people. But it's a conversation, like we're having, like we're having. You know, you're just having fun, as I call it, and you're just having a conversation with another human. It may happen to be, though, a lot of people, but just pretend it's one-to-one. I like you say one-to-one instead of the old... Um... Well, it's tried and true, so I guess I won't say anything against it, but but a lot of uh, experts recommend picturing everybody naked, and I like the, the you know, <laughs> you know I, I, I've heard that. that. That could scare me if I think of that too much, so I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I like the one-on-one, and especially conversational. I, I feel like if you do something conversational, you're almost less judged by it because yeah. it's not a performance. It's an interaction. Um, Correct. 
So, you know, I can kind of talk to anybody about anything. So I'm not big in this fear of speaking, but I am very worried when it comes to technological failures. I know this is a concern for some, but computers and I, all this jazz, they just, you know, they hate me. So what's your advice with, uh, with avoiding tech, uh, technological issues? We'll have to share a coffee or something one day so I can help you get over that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, that's a big deal. It's gone. It's happened with me. I remember I've been on stage before and the confidence monitor failed. I've been doing things before. The clicker didn't work. And I think there's a two or three things I would say. One, be very familiar with your own technology. That's one. I think point two, going back to our aspect of preparation, setting up early, having a dry run, practicing it, you know, in that hour, within the moment, if you can, of when you're doing it. And three, if you're really kind of nervous, have a buddy there or even someone from the audience. Hey, you seem to know a little about tech. Do you mind sitting in the front row and just being available to help me if I need you? So I think those three things will cover 80 to 90% of anything that goes wrong regarding technology. I like the idea of having a buddy system. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's, it's a lot to do the speech and then take care of the, the technology too. So that's, that's a good advice. Now, mm-hmm. what about the speech itself? Should we, should it be something hairy carry and complicated or what do you think? I was growing up as a little boy in the Midwest. And when I was growing up in the Midwest, I fell into a pool. I'm going to stop there. And what I'm trying to explain, I can repeat that story, getting a visual picture to the audience all day long because it's about me. So what I'm trying to explain is that one of the most effective ways to give a speech and not having to worry about memorizing every detail is just to try to paint and share a big picture of the idea through your own story. Audiences connect with people. We all have been somewhere before. So telling your story, integrating that into your speech as a lesson as much as you can, that's how you'll carry your speech forward and have people connect with you and better even understand the idea of what you're trying to convey. Relatability, that's very important. And again, it loosens up the crowd a bit, you know, so they don't Mm -hmm. be so critical of you. It's almost like, okay, now we're friends. Let's go from here. Um, so, Correct. so the suggestion here would be more follow an outline rather than a speech. Correct. And I think that's very important. I think I've seen a number of people and you can kind of tell when people are saying, hi, my name is Ramon, Ramon, what is it? Oh, yes, sorry, Ramon Ray. And you, you can, you can feel that, but exactly the outline will give you the frame of reference. Start here. Talk about your childhood. Talk about this traumatic experience. Give three lessons of X, Y, Z that's how you can kind of go with that speech much better for sure to follow an outline. If you try to memorize it bit by bit, people will smell it. People will know it and it will probably come off a bit unauthentic. And instead, if you do the uh, detailed one, instead of the outline for sure. So what's the best way to open a speech to grab people's attention? So it's not like, Oh my gosh, one more seminar kind of thing. I definitely like stories. And again, you know, it doesn't have to be a story each time, but I think there's one or two things I've learned. One how are you positioned, especially when we go back to speaking in person? You know, hey, uh, can it be, um, can you come out of the audience in the middle of the audience, sitting in the chair first, or start with a bell if you're online or a picture? That's one. Two, I think the aspect of a story is probably one of the most effective ways to connect. Hey, you all may remember the storm of XYZ. You all may remember when your child had their first birthday. Things like that, 
definitely connect to people and I think are kind of a winner in starting a speech. Okay, so I don't want to just make it seem like we're talking about large groups and Mm -hmm. major speeches and presentations. What would be advice just, um, you know, when you're in a smaller group or um, maybe even meeting friends for the first time or, uh, you know, it's like just with your people in your club where you're doing something. Mm -hmm. So it's it's not like, you know, a a stadium full of folks. It's just smaller groups. What's the approach there? Have an attitude and a spirit to listen first. That's one. Two, always see how you can add value. Somebody says, oh, yes, my mother was sick. Don't just then say, oh, well, let me tell my son. I'm sorry to hear your mother was sick. Ask them a question. What did you do? Follow up and boost them. Then you can bring your own value. Three, already smile and just having that ability that people know we're in this group and we're all equal. We're all here to serve. That's kind of the best way to lead up to you then being able to open. And if you are talking to that group, to then lead and do your talk. But I think if you're able to connect and show people you care, you then have earned the permission to then take the stage, even if it's with a group of friends around a campfire, just five of you doing that. Because every place is a stage. And I like that we're, we're equals and we're in this together. We're here for a reason. I, I know a lot of people struggle with, I do a lot of like fundraising for different charities. And the question I get asked most is how can you go present and, you know, how do you, you know, get the gumption to say, will you donate to this or that cause? And mm. I always present that as like, well, we're all here for a reason. We all have a goal. So I'm I'm going to ask you for support and give you the opportunity. You know, it's up to you to say yes or no. It's not for me to mm-hmm. make that decision for you and not allow you the opportunity. Once presented, you might say, mm, it's not for me or not this time, whatever you do, but that's your decision is not my decision to take that away from you. So thinking in in terms of we're all in this together and we're all here for the same reason and so forth is a good idea. Absolutely. So now, not so much technology, but hey, we are in a very big virtual age. And so I'd like to put out some information for folks who are doing all these Zoom meetings. I know there's, or other webinars, et cetera, the, um, or WebEx rather, the, the Zoom performance anxiety is big. And then people wonder, you know, do you look at the camera? Do you look at the screen? What's your advice in this virtual age? Absolutely. I think one, Zoom performance anxiety is a real thing. And I think, A, that's where people are just, they freeze up when the camera's there. And or the second thing, we're all just tired of performing and being on camera. So that is a real thing. But as speakers who are doing it, you know what? It's our job. It's our job to serve and either sell or add value. So you just have to kind of suck it up in a good way, and you have to do it. But part of that is taking a break. Stand up, take some water, stretch in between your Zoom or WebEx or Microsoft Teams meetings. That's one. This is one of the most important things about speaking in the virtual age. For sure, you have to look at the lens. If you don't look at the lens, the person on the other side, they, it doesn't look like you're looking at them. So training yourself to look at that lens, look at the camera, is really, really important. And I think there's a lot of similarities. Listen, the same rules that would apply, we talked about talking to friends around a campfire or an audience of thousands in a stadium, 
similar things, your smile, your connectivity, your pausing, uh, being engaging. I'm engaging quite a bit using the chat function. Those are some things you can do, especially when you're speaking online. And I know that's difficult for people to look at that camera, the the, the lens, you know, because you, your natural instinct is, okay, if you're talking to Kathy, you're looking at Kathy, or you may <laughs> even look at yourself like, how do I look in this yeah. corner? And you've got to look into that lens. So I, I've got one, one last uh, question after this, but any final tips that you would like to share with us in, re- in regarding this overcoming the fear of public speaking? that we haven't covered. Sure. Sure. Yeah, I think, and I'm so glad to be here. I think a few things are important. I think one, uh, especially if you're a paid speaker, you're given, even if you're not paid, you're given a certain amount of time, it's respectful to the audience, respectful to the host, to be within that time and to follow broadly the directions they've been, they've given you. That's one. I think two, we're all different. I can't be you. You can't be me. I speak at a different cadence than you, you different than me, different accents. Be yourself. And let that shine through. The audience will appreciate that, will appreciate that much more. Sometimes I can wallow down into kind of self-deprecating, I think the word is, or, or talking negative about myself. It may be fun or it may be a nervous reaction, but nobody's going to appreciate that. So always be uplifting to the audience and yourself. Those are a few things that I would suggest for sure. This has been great, a lot of good information, and this is kind of an aside, but again, let me point out, listeners, you know, there's 70, 75% of us that have this fear of public speaking, so you're not alone, you're not abnormal, it's a very common thing, but, you know, everybody is going to have maybe a few jitters before getting up before a crowd or even in a smaller group, et cetera. But one thing I want to talk to Ramon about before he goes, you must have, this guy, he has interviewed President Obama and joined Ivanka Trump at the Global Entrepreneurship Summit in India. So you must have had a few jitters. Tell me how you handled those two experiences. I did for sure talking to the president of the United States, especially President Obama being, you know, making history when he was elected. Ivanka Trump's a, a, pardon me, a baller, a celebrity, right? So it was. And I think part of it is you breathe, you breathe deep. We've talked about some of it, prepare and practice. And I think that know who you are and have value. Yeah, he's the president. Yeah, she's Ivanka Trump. But you know what? I'm Ramon Ray. So I think those are a few things you have to do. And, and be natural. You're good at having a bit of nerves. It's okay. They probably had nerves speaking to me. So we're kind of equal. <laughs> I love that. I'm Ramon Ray. <laughs> You're right. It's that, that's that, it's that's the old, everybody puts their uh, trousers on one, one leg at a time kind of attitude. Yeah. Um, wow. But that must've been so great. How did you get to interview President Obama? Yeah, at the time, Google had a, a contest uh, where they were saying, hey, who wants to interview the president in his first online video chat? Back then, many years ago, they were uh, kind of promoting their Google Hangouts. And I applied. I, I, as I understand it, it was 300,000 people applied. Mm. They picked me. They whittled down, whittled down, probably who can speak well, maybe, who has the good question, things of that nature. And I was one of five Americans who got to interview President Obama online. It was pretty cool. Wow. <laughs> Wow. Any interesting takes away from the global, the global summit? Yeah, I think that was interesting just to see all the people gathered together around the country for entrepreneurship. And I think interesting to see up close 
world leaders. You know, Ivanka Trump, she has her name, and with President Modi, you know, president of India. So it was interesting just to be there with that, with those amazing people, and know that I was representing the USA uh, in some small way. So it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Good, good. Well, it sounds like you have an interesting life, and I thank you for taking some time away from it to be with us and giving us all this great information. Thanks so much. My pleasure. Time for our nonprofit spotlight. Today, we're focusing on Carol's Kitchen. Carol's Kitchen exists to fill in the gap for women seeking employment while recovering from traumas like incarceration, homelessness, domestic violence, addiction, and more. They're a nonprofit social enterprise restaurant that offers contemporary comfort food, while at the same time creating a healthy empowerment option for women overcoming crisis. This is through their restorative employment model. I've seen other things with employment models for uh, folks with um, with disabilities and so forth. So, so this is just one more phase in these helpful, helpful enterprises. So this is great, and I and I want to give you their website in case you would like more information or to donate, or perhaps volunteer. And I'm going to spell it. It is it is carolskitchen.org, which is simple, but Carol is spelled a little differently, and there is an S. So it's C-A-R-R-O-L-L-S, kitchen.org, C-A-R-R-O-L-L-S. O-L-L-S, kitchen.org, carolskitchen.org. So please uh, take some time to check them out. Well, it's time to high five and say goodbye. You can catch us on any major podcast platform, or you can even ask Alexa to put on Triangle 411 and do the work for you. You know, we have all kinds of different subjects. We try to appeal to the interests of many. For example, we'll do things on medical breakthroughs, like we've done a show on epilepsy and Alzheimer's, as far as new hope on the horizon for both of those. We do helpful hints like social media tips and marketing for small businesses And we'll have fun, like laughter from comedian Jeff Allen, or maybe things like Oprah Forleo and other views on avoiding failure. So I hope there's something that you'll like and something for you. Just check us out and be sure to subscribe and like us. I'm Mary Innsbrucker for Triangle 411. Today, dot, 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 be bold.